after we have expressed our unmet need. And a clear request defined in giraffe is first, it's a positive action. We say what we do want, not what we don't want. So a woman gave me a very good example of what happens when you say what you don't want. In a workshop, she said, you've really helped me understand what happened uh, recently, Marshall. I said to my husband, I don't want you spending so much time at work. And then I got furious with him when he signed up for a golf tournament. <laughs> a teacher gave me a similar example. She said, uh, just yesterday, Marshall, I said to this young boy, please, I don't want you tapping on your book while I'm talking. So he started to tap on his desk. <laughs> Saying what we don't want doesn't make clear what we do want. But worse than that, if we frame our objectives in getting rid of something, it leads to violence very often. It makes violence seem attractive when we try to get rid of something. For example, I was working with some teachers in a school in Rockford, Illinois. Their observable behavior they wanted to work on is on the average every three months, 38 broken windows in the school. So we got down to the request. I said, what do you want different from the students? It's obvious, we don't want them breaking windows. So you're saying you don't want the children breaking windows. Yes, what should we do? Kill them. <laughs> Research has demonstrated dead children break no windows. <laughs> Almost any time we think of what we want to get rid of, it makes violence look attractive. And as stupid as that example was I just gave you, Look in the newspaper on any given day and see how many world leaders are saying, we're going to teach them not to, we're going to get them to stop. And they think violence is going to... See, it always makes violence seem attractive to It's only, as I said earlier, when we get two questions clear. What do we want people to do? And what do we want their reasons to be for doing it? Then I think we'll see violence never work. Okay, so we want to say what we want to say in the positive. What do we want the other person to do? What do we want them to start doing differently? And second, that it needs to be clear action language. So we can't do what this one wife did with her husband who came to a workshop with him. She said, I want you to listen to me when I talk. He said, I do listen. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. They told me they'd had this same conversation for 11 years. The problem is with the word listen. See, what does that... We can use the word listen as a need. I have a need to be listened to. But when we move to request, we, we need to speak action language. What specific action do we want this person to take? We can't use the verb to be. I want you to be more friendly, not doable. We can't use feeling language. I want you to feel confidence in yourself. That's not doable. So we need to be able to make very concrete requests. Try it out with what is under D there. See. In relation to what the other person did and your feelings and needs in, the, in relation to the action, imagine you're talking directly to the person and express a request using this form. I would like you to. What do you want the person to do to meet your needs? I want you to obey my instructions. 
let's use the word, I want you to do what I told you to do. I want you to do what I told you to do. And if you were a giraffe, you would give that to the person with a little card that said, but please do as I requested, only if you can do so with the joy of a little child feeding a hungry duck. Please do not do as I request if there is any fear of punishment motivating you. Please do not do as I request out of a hope for reward or that I will like you if you do. Please do not do as I request out of guilt, shame, duty, obligation. Life is too short to do anything for anybody out of that. So what I'm getting at is when we do make a request, we want it to be sure that the person trusts it's a request and not a demand. So we'll come back to that, but let's just work on the clarity of the request to begin with. Yes, so what is your request? I would like you to do what was agreed upon. Okay. Uh, uh, give me the space to complete my thought. Oh! Too vague, give me the space. Let me, let, let me complete let my me thought. Let me is not doable. Let me show you what I mean. A woman said to her husband, came to a workshop, I want you to give me the freedom to be myself. He says, I do. No, you don't. I said, hold it, hold it. Give me the freedom is not doable. Let me? No, that's not doable. Allow me? It's not doable. <laughs> what do you want from him when you say, give you the freedom to be yourself? It's embarrassing, yes? <laughs> uh, what, say it. Oh, it's embarrassing. Say it out loud. What do you want when you say all of that? I want him to smile and say, it's okay no matter what I do. Okay, now you're honest. <laughs> you see, so what do you want? I want to express myself. Yes, you can do that. Nobody can stop you from expressing yourself. So I'm getting interrupted. You want the other person to wait until you finish speaking? Yes. Before starting? Yes. Okay, that's the doable action. <laughs> so how do we know? You can only tell whether it's a request or a demand by how I treat you if you don't do it. That's what tells people whether we are making requests or demands. What is their memory of how we act when we don't get what we want? If people have in their memory any punishment on our part in the past when they don't do what we want, any blame, it will now be hard for them to trust that we are making a request and not a demand. It will take the joy out of giving to us. So let's follow that example a little bit more for me to show you what I mean. So I say to you, I'm really uh, lonely this evening and would have a need for some company. Would you be willing to spend the evening with me? And you say, Marshall, I'm uh, really preoccupied with some things at work and would really need some space to myself this evening. Could you find someone else to be with you this evening? And here's my reaction. <laughs> Two days later, <laughs> you, what's the matter? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> you, come on, what's the matter? You knew how lonely I was. If you love me, 
Now, was it a request or a demand? See, so we can't tell from how nicely it's asked. We need to see how the person treats us when we don't do what they want. That's when we trust that they make requests or not demands. So we are going to pay for every time in the past when we used any coercive means to get what we wanted. So now at least we don't want to pay for that anymore. We want to be sure that whenever we make a request, it is a request. Now that doesn't mean the other person will trust it, even if it is, because unfortunately there's been so much coercion in our world that even if we are making a sincere request, the other person might hear a demand. I was working in one school system with a group of students that the school district labeled as socially and emotionally maladjusted. Now, from what you've learned today, was that a jackal school system or a giraffe school system? <laughs> yes. It sounds like in your example that the person was really disappointed or really let down. Not let down, that's a diagnosis. Okay. They're really disappointed. Disappointed. Really hurt. Okay. So, how could they have expressed that without being a demand, but not suppressing the fact that they're really disappointed? They could say, I, so you have a lot to do right now, and it uh, would really meet your need to be by yourself. Yeah. And, uh, the kind of mood I'm in right now, I really trust that you would meet it better than anybody else I know. Is there some way that we could find to get your work done and still meet my need for connection tonight? That's what we call dogging for our needs. <laughs> now that shows respect for the other person's needs. I'm not trying to use any guilt or manipulation, right? I'm just trying now to find a way to get everybody's needs met. Okay? If the, person, if the person cannot think of somebody to replace them, it will not be a problem. It will only be a problem if I put on these ears and receive in what they said a rejection. You see, if I hear a rejection, that's the problem. You can say I'm disappointed as long as you don't say you disappoint me. And as long as you don't stop after saying I'm disappointed. See, I'm disappointed. That's just another way of saying, you disappointed me. I'm disappointed. We always have to end a feeling at the very end of it is going to be a request. See? So we don't just say, I'm disappointed. We'd have to say, we have to take responsibility for asking for what we want. Given the other person has this other need, okay, what do you want then from them? Well, the jackal doesn't like that game. They don't like to have to be responsible for what they want. They'd rather say, well, if they love me, if they were any kind of friend, I think it's only fair that they, they want to control by guilt, shame. So the school district asked me to work with these students that were labeled socially and emotionally maladjusted. The poor school system doesn't realize that labels lead to self-fulfilling prophecies. When you label people that way, they're going to behave that way. Come on, be honest. If you are labeled socially and emotionally maladjusted, you're one of those students, doesn't that give you permission to have fun in school? 
labels lead to self-fulfilling prophecy. So I knew it was going to be a rough day just by that label. So when I walk into the classroom, it already starts. Half of the students are hanging out the window, screaming obscenities at their friends in a courtyard down below. So I made a request. Excuse me, I would like you all to come on over and sit down, please. I'd like to tell you who I am, what I'd like to do today. Half the students come over. I wasn't sure the other half had even heard me, so I repeated it. Would you all please come over? Now everybody comes over, with the exception of two young men. Just my luck, the two that didn't come over, the biggest ones in the classroom. And again, I wasn't too sure they'd heard me, and I was praying it might just be a problem with acoustics, so I said, uh, would one of you two gentlemen tell me, please, what you heard me say? Yeah, you said we had to come over and sit down. You see the problem? I make a request. He hears a demand. So I said, sir, I have learned to always use sir with people who have biceps like he did. <laughs> Especially with a tattoo on top of the bicep. I said, sir, could you tell me how I could have let you know what I was requesting so it wouldn't sound like I was telling you what you had to do? He said, huh? See, that's a radical paradigm shift for somebody who's been educated under domination conditions, domination structures, where authorities claim to know what's right, you have to do it or else, you see? So it's a radical paradigm shift in giraffe schools where people don't make demands. They just make requests. So I realize this is not going to be easy with this gentleman. He's probably carrying with him a lot of traces of being punished when he doesn't do what other people want or blamed. I'm not expecting him to give it up right like that. So I said, sir, how could I let you know that I was requesting something of you without it sounding like I was bossing you around? I don't know. I said, just what's happening between you and me right now is much that I wanted to talk about today. because I was wanting to look at a way we could interact where nobody bosses others around. And I didn't expect life to be so easy. That was all he needed. He trusted at that point that I wasn't trying to tell him what to do. And he came over, and we had a very cooperative day. But as long as people hear our request as demands, they have only two choices, submission or rebellion. And neither of us are going to connect us with people in a way that's good for anybody. So the main thing that's the difference is not how nicely we say it, but how we treat people when they don't do what we want. Now, let's hear a few of these so we can see what kind of reactions you might get back. If you openly express your heart, you try to your best not to criticize, not to demand. What do you get back? She gets excited and defends herself. Well, I need to hear this specific statement, because I don't know what you mean by defends herself. What does she say? Got to be specific. For the next exercise, we need to know specifically what the person says or does. See, that's your diagnosis that she's defensive. What does she say? Uh, sometimes things happen and I, I'm not ready to leave when we agree. Well, sometimes things happen and I'm not ready to leave when I agree. Okay, that's what the person says. 
I can't do that because I have a hard time connecting with people as partners. I can't do that because I have a hard time connecting to people as partners. This is their response back? Yes, what, what did the person respond back? Um, he says, nothing I do is ever good enough. Nothing I do is ever good enough. Okay, here. I mm -hmm. guess I should go through the whole thing. Uh, she says she doesn't like the way I wash dishes or make the bed. Yes. I feel angry and resentful. Yes. Uh, I feel, as I expressed, because I need to be accepted for my willingness and ability to do a job the way I do it. Yes. Uh, I would like you to acknowledge my work positively. Even if I don't feel like it? How do you want me to, how would you like me to respond positively when uh, an idiot could do a better job making a bed than you do? Okay, that's the, that's the last thing. She would say that she can't because I never do it the way it should be done. <laughs> yeah, so the problem there is with the present request. What do you want from this person? I think what you want is this. I'd like at least some gratitude expressed for my willingness to do what I did. And if I could get at least the gratitude for that first, I could better hear how you would like me to do it differently. Would that be closer? It'd be closer, but I'd still like her to accept the way that I do it. What does accept mean? Now we've got to translate accept into a doable request. What if this person has a sense of aesthetics? You see, I can already tell what the problem is in your relationship. I've already made a diagnosis. You want to hear my diagnosis? <laughs> you are a slob and she's a neat. See, I don't, there's these two kinds of people in the world, slobs and neats. And for some reason or other, they always live together. <laughs> I, it doesn't make sense to me. You see, there's so much of this goes on every day about the, the, how to keep the, wash the dishes, how to make the bed. Now, I'll give away which one I am. I once made, I once cleaned the house immaculately. And my partner came home and said, I thought you were going to clean. True, true story, true story. So you know what I am, right? Uh, I wrote her a song that night that goes, if you wonder about the cause of my domestic distress, it's that my partner is antiseptic and I'm a total mess. <laughs> Last night at 2 a.m. I had to go to the head. In the time it took me, she made the bed. <laughs> So there are these slobs and meats, and they always get together. I, I have a plan for world peace. Put the slobs in one hemisphere, <laughs> the meats in another. So how does that get back to needs? And uh, <laughs> now that you've diagnosed, it, it has to, to do it. probably with this. And you have to say, say to the need. I'd like you to agree that there can be different ways of doing things. Is that what you want? My solution was that I just don't do it anymore. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> a typical slob solution. Yes. <laughs> I could have guessed that. Yeah. It worked. I would really like some acknowledgement. First, I'd like some expression of gratitude for what I did. 
I'm not saying you have to like it, but at least I'd like to hear some gratitude, if it's sincere, that at least that I was trying. Second, I'd like you to agree that there can be different ways of defining what is an adequate way to make a bed. Then, if after you agree to that, if you could say what your preference would be without using words that imply that it's right, your way, that would be a lot easier. Something like that. Where is it? Um, you, you sound like you're doing something out of a book. You sound like you're doing something out of a book. Talk like a real person. Don't use any of this psychology crap on me. Something like that. Yes, yes, yes. Especially they're going to say that when you're a baby giraffe, you know, because you're trying a new way and it's going to take a while and it's going to go slowly. And when I was first learning this, I was having a conflict with my oldest son and I was sounding like it was coming out of a book. I was having to stop and think everything I said. And the poor guy, he had his friends waiting for him and he said, Daddy, it's taken you so long to talk. I said, let me tell you what I can say quickly. Do it my way or I'll kick your ass. <laughs> He said, take your time, Dad. <laughs> Those who know me in my old jackal days are very patient with my sounding like I'm coming out of a book or... <laughs> yes? There's no value in changing who I am. I'm satisfied the way it is. Yes. There's no value in changing who I am. I'm satisfied the way I am. It, we can already tell them this person heard a demand, you see. They're hearing a demand as though you're saying they're not okay the way they are. And that would be how I would bet a person would respond if they hear a demand. Different ways that people respond when they hear a demand. My preference is for how my youngest son once responded when he heard a demand. I said, would you please hang up your coat? He said, who was your slave before I was born? <laughs> I see, I, I like that way because I know he hears a demand then, right? It's pretty clear. And, uh, then there's other people who, it's harder to guess that they make, they're hearing it as a demand. For example, you say to them, would you please come over and just sit on the couch with me and talk with me? The person goes like this. <laughs> okay. Now if you're smart, you'll say, oh no, stay away. <laughs> they're hearing a demand, you see, but they're giving in. But the worst case scenario, this is the dangerous one, you see, is if the person hears your, your request as a demand and they respond this way. Oh, sure, sure, I'll do it. And they do it. But they did it to buy your love. They did it because they were afraid that if they didn't, you wouldn't like them. Now, how will you find out? Uh, you'll find out eventually. Uh, you might find out like this one woman did who showed up at my door in uh, two in the morning. Two in the morning, my doorbell's ringing one morning. It's pouring rain outside. And this woman, not eight months pregnant, crying. I said, come in, come in. I sit her down in a chair. Uh, what's going on? I didn't know how she got there, but she told me that her mother had been in a workshop with me a month before. And she had just called her mother up to tell her about what happened. And the mother said, oh, there's a man in your town uh, that, that you might want to go and talk to. Uh, so that's how this woman shows up in my door at 2 in the morning. Now, what was the problem? 
earlier, she said, my, I just made a little request to my husband tonight. <laughs> and he said, get out. We've been married eight years. He's always been so loving, so kind. He's done everything I want. And now he says, get out. Already I knew what the problem was. He was a yes-saying jackal. He hears somebody he loves wants something, and he feels he has to do it to, make, to buy love, to, be a, to prove that he's a loving person. And so how does she find this out? It took eight years, but then she pays for it one night. And I know I was right. How do I know I was right? I got him out of bed. <laughs> why, why should I be up at two in the morning talking to his wife while he's sleeping? So, so I call him up and invite him over. And sure enough, you see, he was a yes-saying jackal. He just didn't know how to say no. So he had been giving in you know, for all these years. And then finally this night, he snapped. You know, just, so that's how you find out. After eight years, she found out that he was hearing demands and lovingly giving in to them. You certainly don't want to ever receive those messages, any one that you've just responded to. You never want to hear what the other person thinks. Never hear what a jackal-speaking person thinks. You'll live longer. So certainly after lunch we're going to say, do not hear what the person thought. Whatever thoughts they expressed, never hear what a jackal-speaking person thinks, especially what they think about you. So we'll show you other options than that. We'll show you how never to hear a criticism. We'll show you all of that after lunch. There's only two things that human beings are ever saying. Please and thank you. That's all human beings are ever saying. The only thing is, jackal-speaking people have learned to say please in a suicidal way. Think about that for a moment. What else is, are human beings ever saying except please? you're behaving in a way that isn't meeting my needs, or my needs are not getting met by something else, would you please do this to meet my needs? That's, we need to know how to say that well to survive in the world. When our needs are not getting met, we need to know how to say please in a way that makes it enjoyable for people to give it to us. All right, this morning we learned how to do that. Just learn how to say what you are feeling and needing, and make a clear request. Make sure that no words come out of your mouth that imply wrongness on the part of other people. Do everything you can to promote in people the trust that when you make a request, it is a request and not a demand. And that increases the likelihood that people will enjoy giving to you. So we, we studied that this morning. Now, the other half of the process is how to receive from other people what's alive in them, and what they are needing to make life wonderful, and how to receive that without hearing any criticism or demand, just to hear what's alive in them. And we need to learn how to do this even when these other people are saying please in this strange way that we've been educated to say please. You know, 
you were all speaking perfect giraffe for about a year. See, so what I'm teaching you now is really not a second language, it's really your first language. I'm bringing you back to life, to, to nature, to your first language. So now the other half. How do we respond to a jackal's please when a jackal is expressing the please this way? The problem with you is, is that you are too... See, that's please. That person's in pain. That person has a need that isn't getting met. And isn't it sad that they only know that way to ask for it? Isn't that tragic for this person? To be saying please in a way that almost guarantees you're not going to get what you want. Or if you do, it's going to be motivated by fear, guilt, or shame, and you're going to pay for it. How sad to be educated that way. And now, of course, it would be even sadder if when the person says please that way, you don't hear the please. You hear a criticism. And that's when we have war. Somebody in pain does their best to express it. Person on the other end hears a criticism. So let me tell you what the person that you were working on this morning, all of the messages that I heard you relate, that what you predict they might say back, here is what I heard the person saying. I heard the person you're speaking with saying this back to you. I'm in pain. I have a need that isn't getting met. Okay? That's what the person was saying in the message that you wrote down. I'm in pain because a need of mine isn't getting met. Now hear that. Put on giraffe ears and say this back to the person. Are you feeling? And guess what that person is feeling when they say what they did. Because you are needing. And guess what their need is. So I'm asking you to go back to the message that you predicted you might get back. I'm wanting you to imagine the person actually says this to you. And now if you have giraffe ears on, here will be your reaction. Are you feeling? Guess they're feeling. Because you are needing. Guess their need. With giraffe ears, all you can hear are feelings and needs. You can hear no criticism. A number of years ago, I was working with a group of women in religious life, and they had a conflict for some 15 months that was creating great pain within their community. And they asked me to help them resolve this. And uh, I suggested that we begin by having everybody express their needs. What needs of yours are not getting met in this situation? And after the first speaker's second word, I could see why, after 15 months, not only had they not been able to resolve the issue, but why it was causing increasing pain. Can anybody guess what the second word was? They couldn't express their needs. But what was the second word? What was the first word? You? 
First word was I. I think. Yes. That's as soon as I heard the second word, I could see why. It was, notice my question of them was, what needs of yours are not getting met? And instead of an answer, I got, I think. Immediately I knew, trouble. And here's what the rest of the message said. I think that if we are to be in religious life, we must take our commitment seriously and dress as though in a dress in an appropriate way. See, I asked for a need. That's what I got back. And then another religious sister said, Sister, I agree, but I think... <laughs> See, 15 months. What was the issue? The issue was whether to wear traditional clothing or not. You see, this was the issue. Fifteen months had not been able to resolve it. In fact, at great pain in that fifteen months, the community was divided. But I asked, what are you needing? And I got thoughts. Thoughts. You see. So it took me a while to teach them never to hear the thoughts. Do not hear thoughts. Only use the thoughts as a window. Look through the thoughts to the needs that are behind. Hear the needs behind. It'll be a whole different world. Don't, don't hear thoughts. They finally got it. They finally started to look through the words, the thoughts, to what was behind. And then, it's amazing how, in a short time, we resolved the conflict. My partner, Ruth Bebermeyer, was with me at the time and saw this miracle that comes whenever we hear through the words to what's behind them. I feel so sentenced by your words. I feel so judged and sent away. Before I go, I'd like to know Is that what you meant to say? Before I rise to my defense Before I speak in hurt or fear Before I build that wall of words Tell me, did I really hear? Words are windows or their walls. They sentence us or set us free. When I speak and when I hear, let the love light shine through me. There are things I need to say Things that mean so much to me If my words don't make me clear Will you help me to be free? If I seem to put you down If you felt I didn't care 
try to listen through my words to the feelings that we share. Words are windows or they're walls. They sentence us or set us free. When I speak and when I hear, let the love light shine through me. So with your giraffe ears on, you hear the feelings behind the words. You hear the need. Every moment, we have feelings and needs. So we're hearing the truth. What's really alive in this person now? It's better for you to hear only that, because then you don't live in a world of criticism or judgment. You take away all power from other people to dehumanize you when you have giraffe ears on. You never have to worry about other people's reaction to what you say. You can be honest without fear. Because you know, I don't ever have to worry about how others respond. Only what ears I have on to respond to their response. But I can control that. I can't control how others respond. And if I'm going to worry about something I can't control, I'll become a nice, dead person. I'll be afraid to reveal myself for fear. What if they say this? Well, who cares what they say? If you have giraffe ears on, it's a gift. All they're saying is, please, please. So let's hear the please behind the message that you hear. First read off the message, and then let's hear how you heard the feelings and needs behind it. What I expect my daughter would say was, um, I can't control myself when I'm so angry. I can't control myself when I'm so angry. And uh, when I thought about it, um, I would think I could say, are you feeling frustrated because you are needing some other ways to express your anger? That's what I ask you to do, to try to hear the feelings and needs. And even if that's not accurate, notice what it does, even if it's wrong. It demonstrates a value. It demonstrates that you value what's alive in that person. That you're taking the time to try to connect with what's alive in that person. When people trust that that's what's interesting to you, already we can solve anything, you see. What makes it hard to resolve things is when people feel the other person is only interested in winning. They don't care about me. They're just out to show me that I shouldn't do this. But by just stopping and trying to connect, you've demonstrated a powerful value, that you value what's alive in her. Okay? Another one. Yes? Uh, with my, related to my son, are you feeling distressed, confused, because you are needing help? That's the idea. Again, even if it's not accurate. It gives the, it, notice, even if it's not accurate, it brings the other person's attention to their needs. It gives them a chance to correct it. <coughs> Better to be guessing wrong what a person needs is than to hearing what they think. You'll be living in a different world when you are trying to connect with their needs than the world you'll be living in if you hear what they think. I need some help in addressing 
the um, feelings and need behind the um, answer that I got back, which was one of the things that you said um, before lunch, which can be the most dangerous when somebody just said, you make a request and somebody says, yes, I'll do that. Yeah. Can you help me? I mean, I, I could guess. I mean, my, what I wrote down was, are you feeling um, pain because you're needing recognition for the job you're doing? Okay, I like that. But, oh, okay. but go ahead with the book. I mean, it, it feels like there's a huge leap from the response, yes, I'll do that, to me asking that question. Yeah, it's you're trying to sense what's really behind it. That's one of the two giraffe ways. The other possibility that would also be giraffe is to say bullshit in giraffe. How do you say bullshit in giraffe? <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling uneasy with your okay. Okay. Uh, I wish I could trust it, but I don't. I'd really like you to take a moment and really tell me whether it would meet your needs to do as I requested. So that's when I would guess that the okay isn't okay. So. Uh, that's how I would say bullshit in giraffe. Thank you. Giraffes are not nice. See, much of, I think, the violence in the world is created by nice people. So don't mistake the word nonviolence as being nice. Are you feeling abandoned? Not a feeling. It's a thought. Don't encourage jackals to think that way. Are you feeling afraid? Now we're cooking. Because you are needing reassurance. Now we're cooking. That I will not disappear. That your needs will be taken care of. Leave yourself out of the other person's needs. They can live without you. <laughs> All of their needs can be met without you. How could I satisfy your needs? That's a jackal question. If the, that kind of question, if the other person is smart, they'll take the Fifth Amendment. Yeah. This was an answer to um, when my daughter said, you sound like you're reading from a book. You sound like you're reading from a book. And I say, are you feeling scared, separate, or alienated, and are you needing to be responded to in a genuine, heartfelt way? Yes. But you're doing it again when you do that. <laughs> so with such a jackal for a while, until you make clear to them why you're doing it, so they will have less distrust of it, you would do just as you said, but silently. Silently? Yes. See, don't think we have to do this out loud for it to be powerful. It can be powerful if we don't say a word as long as where our attention is, is here, you see. Even it, so you might have heard just that, but maybe not have said it out loud. See, yeah, see that's all you can hear with the giraffe ears on. And you can hear that even if you're silent. You don't have to say out loud. You could just have heard that. But you'll show that your attention is here from your eyes. Because when we're hearing what is in a person's heart, our eyes are different than when we're hearing a criticism or when we're making a criticism, you see. Our eyes, it's not, it's not subtle. Now the advantage in being able to say it out loud 
is the person can correct us if we're not accurate. But even if we don't say it out loud, we live in a different world when we're connecting here than when we're hearing criticism. Um, this is a... Um, the, the question would be, um, that I would have asked, would be something like, I would like you to ask me for help if you need it. Yes. And then the, the person responds? I am afraid of becoming a burden. No, there's a pretty, it's almost a giraffe response. So how do you respond to this person? I'm afraid of becoming a burden. Now, if you're a jackal, you would say, no, you wouldn't be a burden. So if you're a jackal, you will try to reassure. See, jackals try to fix people in pain. They try to give reassurance. They try to make it better. They can't stand pain. They immediately make matters worse by trying to get rid of the pain. In the book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People, written by Rabbi Harold Kushner, he's talking about a very tragic time in his life when his oldest son is dying. And he said, what could be worse than watching my son die? What could be worse were the things that good people were telling me to make me feel better that made me feel worse. And what could be even hor more horrible than that? What they were doing, what they were saying that made me feel worse were exactly the things I had been saying to other people for 20 years in my role as a rabbi. See, he had been responding by trying to make it better. See. So we don't want to do that now. This is an important message. Well, I'm afraid that I'll be a burden. So put on giraffe ears. What is this person feeling and needing when they say that? Are you, are you feeling... Afraid, they've already told you the feeling, that's easy. So the afraid, the afraid are you, so you're feeling afraid because why? Why are they afraid? That you don't trust my offer to help. Now put that in a need. You need some reassurance. That I'll need? really be there? No. I need reassurance that if you're there, you're doing it for you and not for me. Uh-huh. See? They want to be sure that if you're giving, you're giving out of self-fullness, not selflessness. Now what about if you're not 100%? Don't do it. <laughs> I would suggest you heed Joseph Campbell's advice when he, uh, having studied all the basic myths of the world and the basic religions, concludes that if there's one wise thing that seems present in all the basic religions, it's this. Don't do anything that isn't play. Yes, don't do anything that isn't play. And it'll be play if you're meeting your own needs. So don't do things for other people. Well, the only right way is hold your it, way. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Your ears just dropped off. Put your ears... <laughs> Put your ears back on, because if your ears are on, you will never hear the word right. It doesn't exist. If you hear that word, it's going to be toxic. Never hear another person telling you what's right. 
It's not good for them, it's not good for you. Okay, so just hear feelings and needs. I tell you 30 times you don't listen. My God, what's, can't yourself. you see this bed? <laughs> there's, there's, pardon? No, you don't. You're proving now you don't. Isn't it funny if how you were I listening, you wouldn't say, I listen. Isn't it funny how he always comes in? Pardon? It's funny how he always comes in. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's this person feeling and needing? Let me, let, me, let me help you out. Want me to help you out with yeah. this, Jack? Yeah. Let me put on some giraffe ears here. So, Jackal, is it that uh, it's frustrating when you have a certain sense of order and you'd really like uh, to have that order maintained in the house? Well, that's a part of it, but it's, it's not the, it's, that's not the only thing. It's, I've told him over and over again. Oh. So is it that you feel hurt because you have a need to feel like your needs matter? Yes. It's like this doesn't matter to him. He doesn't care. Ah, so what's really the pain for you in this is your need to feel like you matter, that your, your needs matter. Yes. <laughs> so how do you feel when you hear the jackal say this? I'm feeling um, like I don't, well, that's not a feeling. Um, I'm glad you're catching it. Right. Feeling confused. Yeah. Feeling confused um, primarily because I can't identify the needs that uh, are being expressed. So you would really like to be able to hear a need like that when it's really going on? Yeah, I would like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't act like you do. Hold it, Jack. <laughs> That isn't going to make it easier for him, Jack. <laughs> that isn't going to make it easier. So you're really, it's really painful for you. It's hard to believe that he cares enough to really matter. Yes, you know, because I've told him over and over, so. So it's really for you an issue of whether your needs matter. Yes. I'm feeling that it's not so much the beds or the dishes, though feeling of something else. I'm just telling you what it is. It's, it's the general fear I have that my needs don't matter to you. How do you feel when the jackal tells you that? Still confused. What makes you confused about this? Because I don't know how to respond to those needs. What, what it would take is just empathy. If she could just feel the empathy that I just gave her. If you could just say, are you feeling in pain because you have the need for reassurance that your needs matter? Yes. Yes. I've tried to tell you that for years. You don't listen. Yes. Now comes in. I guess now I'm feeling sad because I'm not meeting uh, um, the needs. Hold your sadness. She needs more empathy. See, this is what often happens. We get to our feelings too quickly. With my help, we just got 
started. We just, this is not the end. There's a lot more pain in there that she needs empathy for before she can hear your sadness. So, Jackal, am I hearing you that for you the real painful issue here is not being confident that your needs matter? My needs have never mattered in any relationship, not in my family and not now. So what's real painful is for you to feel that your needs matter, and this has been going on a long time. Yes. Yes, I do everything I can. I've told him over and over again. So you do everything you know how, and when your needs still don't get responded to, it really hurts. Yes. Now, see, it hasn't been easy for me to give this jackal empathy. I was wanting to jump in and educate her, but the way you're asking for it, Jackal, I think is going to make it hard for people to give it to you. See? I've wanted to say that almost every time. So I had to take a deep breath and realize empathic connection before education. Now is not the time to educate, that the way you're asking for it's going to make it pretty hard for somebody without super-powered giraffe ears to hear your needs. Question on that. Doesn't, doesn't this situation require some kind of resolution or solution? Yes, or yes, a, and almost yes. And the resolution, the solution will find us when the connection is there. Now, what connection? You see, Here's your wife's needs. Here's your needs. When she hears your needs without hearing any criticism or demand, and you hear her needs without any criticism and demand, the solution will find you. The conflict will resolve itself. It does need to be resolved. But what most of us do, we skip this and go right to here. For example,